Hello and welcome all of my artists, writers, performers, and creative entrepreneurs of all kinds. This is Raven's Fine Art Podcast. My name is Raven Kushner. And today we are going to be talking about the third of the seven Da Vincian principles of genius. Today's topic is sensazione, the five senses. Are you nurturing your five senses? Well, the answer might surprise you, so stay tuned. All right, so let's get into Sensazione. So this chapter was really, really exciting to me. I loved it, um, so I'm really excited to talk about it. So let's start with Sensazione, the definition. So it is defined in the book, which again is Michael J. Gelb's book, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. This is the third part of a seven-part series. Uh, so sensazione is defined in the book as the continual refinement of the senses, especially sight, as the means to enliven experience. So it's really cool to talk about this because as artists, we are definitely working with our senses and it is really important that we are in touch with all five of our senses. Um, and what I loved about this chapter is actually the, all of the different um, exercises that are given in the back of the chapter. Now each chapter has a series of exercises to uh, work on whatever principle we're discussing that in that chapter. Um, but what's really cool about these is they took each of the five senses and gave a series of exercises that you can do, which were really exciting to read about. Um, definitely can't read through all of them because it's just too much. Um, so I'll just touch on those very briefly at the end. Um, but this was a really cool chapter. And if you don't have the book, um, I encourage you to develop your own experiments with developing your five senses. Um, so this part that I wanted to read is on page 96 of the book, talking about Leonardo da Vinci's attitude towards the sensations, sensazione. So among his many extraordinary abilities, Leonardo was a brilliant musician. His popularity at the palaces of his patrons was partly attributable to his playing of the flute lyre, and other instruments. Vasari tells us that, quote, he sang divinely without any preparation, unquote. When he was accepted by his new patron, Ludovico Sforza in Milan, he brought a silver-handled lyre in the shape of a horse's head that he made himself, of course he did, as a gift. In addition to composing, playing, and singing, Leonardo sought musical accompaniment whenever he painted. For the maestro, music was sensory, spiritual nourishment. Though vision and hearing were at the head of Leonardo's sensory hierarchy, he valued, practiced, and encouraged the refinement of all the senses. He took great care to wear the best clothes he could afford savoring the feel of fine velvets and silks. 
His studio was always filled with the scents of flowers and perfumes. He cultivated his senses further through his passion for the culinary arts. And then I drop down to the last paragraph in that section. It says, yet Leonardo reflected sadly on the average human, uh, I'm sorry, yet Leonardo reflected sadly that the average human, quote, looks without seeing, listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, moves without physical awareness, inhales without awareness of odor or fragrance, and talks without thinking, unquote. Wow, okay. That was true way back in the Renaissance. Imagine how true it is today. So this chapter of any of the chapters I've discussed so far produce the greatest feeling of guilt is maybe too strong of a word, but definitely I was convicted that I have issues with sensazione. Now I know that I'm no different from most people of this generation. Um, we are basically depriving our senses through our addiction to technology and our uh, dependence upon technology. So just considering myself, I think the main, the main areas where I fail are just not embracing the full experience of what I'm doing. So for example, I am a terrible multitasker um, and it's been proven that multitasking isn't really a thing. So what you're basically doing, you're still doing one thing at a time, but you're totally fragmented. So each thing that you're doing, you're only devoting a fraction of your focus and attention to it. So you're doing basically a lot of things very poorly and you think you're, you're getting more done because more the number of tasks that you complete is greater, but you're not completing them any better. And most likely you'll have to do them again. So I know I'm really bad at, I rarely eat without having something on. So I usually will have a video on. In fact, that's the only time I really even watch medias when I'm eating. So I'm half eating, half watching, missing things that I'm watching, missing the taste of my food. Um, I am a scroller like most people. So I go on Instagram thinking I'm getting inspiration for my art, looking at other pictures and arts and images. But because my little thumb is pressing and shooting things up and shooting things up, you know, the, the thumbs of thunder <laughs> pushing images up, barely looking at anything. <clears throat> reading and daydreaming, listening and barely listening. I mean, it's, it's so bad. So I'm definitely convicted that sensazione is an area that I am failing miserably in and I am committing myself to developing this area of my life. As an artist, I really can't afford to be brain dead like the rest of society seems to be content with. And actually, I don't even think the rest of society is content with it. I think we're all just on autopilot and we think that this is just the way it is. But reading through this book, it really convicts me that this is not the way it has to be. We don't have to be brain dead. We don't have to go through life, you know, half doing everything that we do. We can do things full out and we can experience the fullness of life and the fullness of the beauty of life. Um, but we just have to train ourselves to, to do that. And part of that is nurturing our senses.
So when I was reading this chapter, I really started thinking about our addiction to scrolling and, you know, our half attention to a lot of things. And I believe that, and, and I've listened to a lot of different talks about our society's dependence upon technology, and we really are, have become dopamine addicts. So dopamine, as most of us already know, is that, that shot of pleasure that we get when we do something satisfying. So when we're addicted to notifications on our phones or entertainment or these things, these things are addicting because they give us that little shot of pleasure and even things like sugar and junk food. So all that stuff becomes addicting because of that shot of dopamine. If we didn't receive a dopamine hit, then we wouldn't become addicted to anything. But that little shot of dopamine, it's designed to make us do things that are necessary for our survival. So when we eat things that are pleasurable, the dopamine that we feel is supposed to encourage us to eat because of survival, uh, the sex drive, the reason why it's pleasant is so that we do it and we don't die out as a species. So there's a reason behind it. But the way we've artificially created our society, we create these little dopamine hits that are addicting. And the thing is, the dopamine is actually low level. It's not like we get extreme pleasure from these things, but we get enough of a shot of it that we become addicted to that feeling. And what happens is the way our brain is set up, it's very sensitive. And so when we're constantly getting these little shots of dopamine, what we're doing is actually dulling our neuroreceptors. And so like with any drug, you start needing more and more to get any kind of a sense of anything, of any pleasure. What it does is, and this has been true uh, with drugs, it's just that we don't often consider dopamine to be a drug, but with any drug addiction, um, the drug assaults their neuroreceptors and they become dulled because of the over abuse of them. And so it takes more and more of that same drug to get the same sensation. And I think a, a parallel is with the rise of type two diabetes. It's kind of a similar thing. We've dumped so much sugar into our food that our, our insulin receptors have become dulled. So people that are going through type two diabetes, and it's not always overweight people. I mean, you can be uh, just a slightly overweight or even normal weight and have um, insulin resistance. And so that's a similar thing where you're assaulting um, your insulin receptors with sugar and sugar is in just about everything, even if it's not a dessert. I mean, sugar is in bread, it's in, it's in most of our foods especially um, processed foods, which most of us eat and fast foods for sure. So you're assaulting your body, um, your insulin receptors with sugar and slowly but surely it just becomes dulled. It becomes overwhelmed and becomes fatigued. And so you've got all of the sugar floating around in your blood and your body still needs that sugar. So, but it's no longer receptive to it. So what happens is it starts to damage your body. All the excess sugar in your blood starts to damage your body. Now with insulin, you can increase your insulin sensitivity through weightlifting, through exercise, through reducing, you know, your artificial foods in your diet and so forth. And similarly, you can reverse, I believe, some of the damage that's done through dopamine addiction. Now with serious drug addiction, and I learned about this firsthand through a friend of mine that I used to know, he was a recovering heroin addict and he had given up the heroin addiction years prior, but the problem is he was a serious heroin addict. And so the thing is some damage can't be undone.
the longer you abuse your system, the harder it is to recover. And so what happened with him was, and it's really sad to think about it, but he couldn't experience really, he couldn't experience real joy. So he never truly felt happy in the sense that most, most of us experience happiness because he had artificially risen his level of happiness and then crashed with the drug addiction, it dulled his neuroreceptors so that the only way he could ever get that back is through heroin. And obviously heroin is, will destroy you. So he can't do it. But the thing is he can never experience those highs anymore. Um, so you don't want that to happen to you with your senses. So um, it's, it's behooves you, it behooves all of us to overcome our dopamine addiction by strengthening our system and our sensitivity of our senses. So obviously the five senses are sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Now I mentioned in the beginning that the assessment that is done, usually I will read the assessments and go through them, but there's an assessment for each sense and it, it would just take too long to do that. So I'm just going to uh, assume that you're similar to me and that you need work and, and help and assistance in this area. So I will just go through again, some of my failings and see if you identify with any of these. So the sense of sight, so scrolling, are you a scroller? Do you mindlessly when you're bored or when you don't have anything that you have to be doing, just sort of scroll through YouTube topics, scroll through Instagram, browse through TikTok. Are you a scroller? If so, you need to develop your sense of sight. Hearing, do you find yourself not really listening to people when they talk? Do, does someone finish their sentence and you're really wondering what they just said? <laughs> and that can be true if you're watching a show. Do you finish a show and you're like, no, what, what? <laughs> or do you feel the need to rewind? And I am humiliated to admit that I often rewind YouTube videos because I am not actually listening. And then I'll hear something that sparked my interest and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Smell. Do you eat convenience packaged foods or do you eat fast food? If so, you need development in your sense of smell. Packaged foods. Yes, they have somewhat of a smell, but if you actually cook, now I am good about this. I do cook. I don't eat fast food. Um, but I, I do eat foods for convenience as well. And I know the difference between foods that I cook when I chop my own vegetables and when I cook my own foods from scratch, there's a difference between that and the stuff that comes in the box. Even if you shop at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, it doesn't matter. Those may be better than maybe Kroger's or, you know, some of these or Target or some of these brands, but it doesn't matter. Convenience food and fast food doesn't have uh, the real smell to it. It just doesn't. Um, and same with taste. If you eat convenience and fast foods, you do not have a fully developed sense of taste. That is not food. And even if you eat in restaurants, it's not the same because for uh, profit's sake and for the ability to bring the food to you in a timely fashion, they can't have everything fresh. It's just, it would take too long. And when you go to a restaurant, you're willing to spend a little more time there than with fast food, but you still probably have other things to do. So there's only so long they can take. And that means that the food is not fresh. So if you're eating fast food, 
um, if you're eating convenience food or if you're cheap, <laughs> okay, if you're not spending money on food, then your sense of taste is going to be dulled because the food that is cheaper is obviously not made with the same quality ingredients and care. And so your sense of taste is necessarily dulled. It just is. And touch. Okay, now touch has for all of us really been a sense that has been deprived. So one of the big fallouts of COVID is that we have not been able to touch one another without fear with, and not even just without fear, it just wasn't allowed in the beginning parts of it. And now as things are slowly opening, still our sense of touch has been dulled and we've been inside more than we should. Parks were closed. I mean, it is really terrible how COVID ravaged that particular sense. And it's really interesting, and I just thought of this, you know, that one of the symptoms of COVID is a loss of your sense of smell. Um, and, and definitely your sense of touch goes out the window with it because you're not allowed to touch other people without fear of catching the disease. All right, so we've now acknowledged that we have um, a problem with this level of genius and satsione. So the book talks about a couple ways that we can remedy this deficiency. Now the first involves starving the senses. Now that may seem weird when I just talked about how we're already starved, but the, the wisdom behind this is similar to the phenomenon that people who are blind, for example, develop really keen senses of hearing. Um, so when one sense is deprived, it becomes more acute. So there's some exercises that he provides. And again, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just some examples of how to temporarily deprive your senses in order to strengthen them. So if you do something like closing your eyes and even making it as dark as possible, so covering your eyes and closing your eyes and then covering them either with your hands or a blindfold and sitting in the dark and doing that for five to 10 minutes, just sitting there and then taking all of that off you know, uh, turning on the lights and then just taking time to just softly look around you and just noticing how vibrant the colors are noticing the colors in your room or in your location. And it's really cool if you can do this outside. Um, a day of silence is another recommendation. So you would spend the day not speaking. And I think that's probably the wisdom behind um, silent meditation retreats. Now, I've never gone on one. I've always wanted to. I've never gone on a silent meditation retreat. I've been to a meditation retreat, but spending the day in silence, you know, not distracting yourself with music, television, phones, all the stuff, not talking. Cause I mean, let's face it. A lot of stuff that we say is useless and it's just a regurgitation of stuff we've said the day before. So less is more. <laughs> so spending a day in silence is really a time to hone your sense of hearing and, and also to really check in with yourself and realize how much of you say is not really worth saying, is not really necessary. And then another idea, which is actually my idea, this is the book doesn't talk about this, but spending time in celibacy. Now, a lot of times, and certainly I was guilty of this in my 20s, you know, feeling like you always have to have a romantic companion. You do not, okay? And for the same reason why you can get into mindless scrolling, you can get into mindless dating where you want a companion because you immediately want to feel that sense of loneliness or sense of boredom with a person. 
you do not need to do that. If you just tolerate the boredom and tolerate the loneliness for a period of time, on the other side of that is this complete um, sense of creativity where that boredom pushes you to think of things that you would normally do. And that sense of, of loneliness you know, inspires you to think of doing things that you maybe want, always wanted to try, but haven't, maybe because of a companion or because you devoted the time that you would be spending to other things to spend to hanging out with that person. So celibacy can be a wonderful way to check back in with yourself and to give yourself, you know, three months, six months, a year, two years. Leonardo da Vinci is rumored to have been celibate. Now there's also rumors that he was gay, but there's no actual proof, but there is stuff that he wrote and talking about his celibacy and how he was actually kind of disgusted by sex to some extent. So that that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> but taking a period of celibacy is, I think, a really wonderful way of starving your senses. And then when you come back to it, you can come back to it with this sense of awareness. And even if you are in a relationship, you can mutually agree with your partner to take, you know, a day, a week, a month and just enjoy each other in different ways you know, without completing the act. You can just enjoy each other's company, enjoy playing with different sensations. You can experiment with that. Obviously, you know, you and your partner have to agree on that. But taking a period of celibacy can really reawaken your appreciation for the act of lovemaking. So consider doing that even if you're in a relationship. All right, and then the flip side of starving your senses is immersion. Emerging yourself into your different senses. So taking the different senses and indulging them fully. So for sight, so if you're a visual artist, um, you can, and even if you're not a visual artist, it doesn't matter. Each of these senses need to be explored. So you can indulge your sight by looking at fine art. Or if you're a fine artist, say looking at a different type of art, like spend some time studying sculptors, studying illustrators, studying designers, studying fashion design, and just sort of indulging and, and really without distraction, you know, diving into the beauty of that particular visual art and really appreciating an art that you're not usually um, experiencing. And part of, and it's really kind of cool because this is what I'm doing with this series. The reason why I'm taking an artist and going through it as part of my podcast is because I wanted to dive deeper into artists and I'm doing visual artists. Um, at least I'm starting with Leonardo da Vinci. We'll see who I do next. Um, but the whole purpose is to take a deep dive and to really explore fully that person's life and their art. For hearing, exploring different musicians, and again, you may have your go-to music that you like to listen to, but what about exploring different types of music? You may think you hate a particular kind of music, but that may be because what you've been exposed to wasn't to your liking. But what if you took a deep dive, and that's easy to do with a lot of the streaming services. You can take a particular type of music and hit radio and just let it play for a while. Give yourself a few minutes to appreciate a different kind of music. You might surprise yourself. And music can really not only enhance other things that you're doing, but again, just actually indulging in the music by itself. And I did this a couple times and it's amazing how much more you get out of it 
when you're not using music as just sort of background to something else you're doing, but if you really just sit there, don't do other things, but just listen. It's an incredibly um, beautiful and enriching experience. Even music that you normally listen to, if you don't do anything else, but just sit there and listen to it, you're not singing, you're not dancing, you're not cleaning the house, you're not doing the dishes, you're not taking a walk, you're not exercising. Just listen to the music. It's a beautiful experience. Taste. Okay, fine wine. Now, I've gone to a couple wine tastings, and that's really fun, and it's a great social experiment. But even if you don't do something formal like that, what about just like we talked about before, cooking? What about make, cooking your own food one day a week or just even one day this week? <laughs> you don't have to commit to it for once a week, but taking the time to experience what fresh food really tastes like. It actually does taste different. Trust me, <laughs> if you're used to eating out, there's a difference. So go to the store, buy ingredients to cook that day and keep it simple. It doesn't have to be anything complex. Um, just experiment, buy some vegetables, buy some things that you think would taste good together and just try it and just enjoy the fresh taste of fresh food. It's a marvelous experience and even try not cooking. Try eating things raw so you really taste what it's supposed to taste like. It's an incredible experience and really good for your sense of taste. Smell. Um, one of the ideas in the book, and I thought this was really cool, is buying some different essential oils from like maybe a Bed Bath & Beyond or maybe some of the online stores. Buying a mix of essential oils like maybe peppermint or patchouli or some of these and creating your own fragrance you know, putting them in different areas of the room, you know, while you're doing other work, just having something like a potpourri or something there to really indulge your sense of, of smell. And then lastly, the sense of touch. You know, obviously if you have a partner, you can have lots of fun with this one, but even if you're not, you can have fun with different fabrics, different materials. You can do some experiments like blindfolding yourself and then reaching out and touching different things and really um, enjoying and exploring how different things feel like your calculator or your computer monitor or you know the sheets of paper in front of you like a lot of things we just totally take for granted but when you close your eyes and you actually indulge in what it feels like under your skin it's an enriching experience and it teaches you to appreciate life okay so the last thing I wanted to read is um, something that they talked about in the book, which is Sensazione for Parents. And I thought this was really brilliant because um, we're raising kids in a generation where they are going to be deprived of, you know, exploring their senses to the fullest. So this section talks about an experiment that was done and some suggestions for parents. So in a classic study, Baby rats were placed in a sensorially deprived environment. Another group was raised in a sensory rich environment. The sensory deprived group suffered stunted brain development. They couldn't find their way through a simple maze and they were prone to aggressive, violent social behavior. Hmm. Sound familiar? <laughs> 
Anyway, the sensory rich rodents developed larger, better connected brains. They learned complex mazes quickly and played happily together. Rats are used in experiments like this because their nervous systems show many similarities to ours. So make every effort to create a brain nourishing environment at home beginning in the womb. Research by Dr. Thomas Verney and many others shows that your unborn baby will be positively influenced, for example, by listening to Mozart. Once they are born, take every opportunity to create a rich and refined sensory environment for your children. Lots of loving touch and cuddling is particularly important to your growing child's neurological and emotional development. Refinements of smell and taste can wait until they're old enough to appreciate subtleties, but keenness of vision, delight in color, appreciation of sound, and natural synesthetic awareness can be nurtured through drawing, art, and music lessons, and daily exposure to beauty. So if that isn't a, a rousing call to parents to, you know, create a wonderful sensory rich environment for your children and that the side effects will be um, increased brain development, less aggression. Um, and when you think about the rise of ADHD and things like that, I mean, not only our diets, but I think our sensory deprived environment can cause this kind of reaction in children to where they're, you know, they know they're supposed to be nourished deep down by their environment, but if they're not, then they're going to act out in, in other ways. So it really behooves us, I think as parents and as, as people that are concerned about the next generation to, and ourselves, you know, to really go out of our way to create a wonderfully sensory rich environment and to practice the third da Vincian principle of genius, sensazione. And not only that, it's really a lot of fun. The experiments that I read through in the book sound like so cool, exploring different musicians and artists and doing these experiments to explore your different five senses. So I encourage you, whether you get the book or don't get the book, to be creative and come up with your own experiments and ways of developing your senses. And I'd be really curious to see what you come up with. If you wanna to write to me, um, I have my contact information will be in the show notes and in the uh, description box. Uh, so you can write to me if you come up with any really cool experiments to play with your senses. That would be really cool to hear about. So in the meantime, explore those senses, develop yourself, all of my artists, my writers, my performers, my creative entrepreneurs. It is imperative, especially as a creative that you develop your senses to the fullness that they can be explored. So until next time, have a beautiful and wonderful sensory rich week, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.